don't answer anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Disloyal Idiots, uh, the artist formerly known as Trade News is an Absolute Podcast. I almost slipped that one up real good. Uh, now members of the Fans First Sports Network. Joining you as always, Steve Haller. With me as always, Andy Pregler and Christian de Guzman. What's going on, guys? Yeah, did, someone, did someone have a spare $800,000 lying around? No. No. Uh, I, I do not. I was going to say, Steve, you're doing better uh and we, you know, who does have $800,000 lying around Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Netflix is doing its first ever live event right now at eight, eight, eight o'clock. Oh, right. It's crashing, right? It is. It is just not working. Yep. Everything <laughs> is broken on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, That's not great. Mm. Well, luckily, it's about a show I don't care about. So let's move on. Well, I was going to say, you know what's also crashing and a show that we don't care about? Syracuse basketball. <sighs> unfortunate, unfortunate truths. Too soon, Andy. Too soon. That, that, new house, that new house degree is really coming in handy right here. Uh, Syracuse basketball. So for those that don't know, we have not been uh, recording. We didn't record last week because Easter holiday, family time. Uh, I was not in the state of New York. Uh, so we took a week off. And to be honest, prior to that, like, I think we made the call on, like, Friday or Saturday. And up until that point, we had been like, oh, yeah, there's really nothing happening. Um, this is probably the right decision because there's nothing to talk about. And then everything happened. <laughs> right. Then the <laughs> yep. world exploded. Um, Syracuse NIL is now front and center in the discussion again. Uh, we will probably need to call and call our friend Chris Carlson. If you didn't listen to it, search the feed for the Troy News is an Absolute Podcast edition with Chris Carlson, who is the Syracuse.com reporter on NIL. We brought him on the podcast right when he had made that tra transition, and we talked about the Syracuse state of NIL. Go listen to that show. That'll be a great primer if you don't know what we're about to talk about next, which is the current state of Syracuse NIL, which resembles a bit of a um construction site where something fell i think probably is the best description of that um i i i'm not really thinking of another adjective but this week we saw adam weitzman pull out of his support financially of syracuse university we saw jesse edwards leave the program uh and basically take a nice little swipe at syracuse's nil program before they leave um I think the easiest way to kind of start this with is with Christian, like what was out of all the things that happened, like what either, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of, everybody has big feelings about this, but what either had you in the biggest feelings or had you going, this is the most interesting thing to happen as we watch a bunch of messy things get messy. <laughs> Two things. First of all, let's recap with saying that, the news of Edwards entering the transfer portal broke Monday night. And he committed to West Virginia this morning. So, quick turnaround. Very quick turnaround. The thing that 
is the most interesting to me, which also turns out to be the most horrifying, are the comments that you alluded to also, Andy, that Edwards made in his uh, basically draft interview, or not draft interview, his uh, his uh, portal commitment interview uh, with uh, Draft Express. Um, the, the full quote uh, is... Uh, now, NIL isn't what I was playing for. I didn't really want to get into this, but it doesn't seem that Syracuse as an organization is that into that. I'm not really sure what their plan is or what the school's idea is behind it. For me, it was something that they couldn't offer in that way. And that is the most interesting part, the most damning part, the most horrific part, and the most worrying part of this entire week, all combined into one. Yeah, that's because, about right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because if Syracuse as a whole is not that interested in NIL, that combined with its facility development timeline, or more accurately, its lack thereof, is what drives Syracuse into the ground as a Power 5 player in any of the major sports. Yeah, I mean, we... So we titled this uh, titled this pod the Transfer Portals of Madness. Uh, to stick with the Marvel references, are we in the end game now? Unfortunately, yes. We're, we 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 might not be even in the end game. We might be well before the end game. We might be at the end of Affinity War, where it looks like there's no hope, and and Jesse Edwards just cut off the head of Thanos. We're probably heading into that five year stretch. Oh great! Ooh. Oh great! Because that's yeah. Where we well, that to was be. the part of the movie that they conveniently <laughs> skipped over because it was too depressing. <laughs> yeah, and we seem to be well on our way there. Between what we've seen for, well, literally every major sport uh, that we've had now. Um, well, I guess, I guess let's re- rephrase that because right now uh, everything but the big two seem to be kicking quite well. Uh, <laughs> lacrosse is finding its feet soccer won a national title women's basketball's fine uh women's lacrosse is number one in the country the rest of the olympics are okay but for some reason the two flagship sports are uh flying their sails at half mast and yeah just if you, if you if you ignore the tennis program with injuries yeah it's all good right what are they down to like three people something like that yeah not great it does. I mean, I, I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this. It's like uh, the the arms race that is college sports that Syracuse has been lagging behind on before you get into how far behind the ACC is in this arms race. It, you're, you're in a position where the Big Ten makes 20, 30 million more per year uh, per school than the ACC does per school. Where where do you think that money is going? You know, the athletic directors uh, are going to talk about how that money is being distributed amongst all the programs. And sure, that money is being distributed amongst all the programs. But that difference of $30 million is going towards two sports, men's football and men's basketball. Um, In some parts of the SEC uh, and in the Pac-12, and I guess as well as the ACC, that money also goes towards men's baseball. But predominantly, we're talking about two sports where the gap in revenue shows the most because the athletic directors across the country have all basically decided it costs 
X amount of money to run your your non-revenue sports and everything else that we do is about these these two sports. So for me, it's not surprising that Syracuse is doing well in the non-revenue sports because they've hired coaching staffs that know how to play that game, work that portal, uh, build programs within the rules uh, very effectively and very well. But on the men's basketball side and on the men's football side, it really does feel like they are 10 steps behind everybody else when it comes to strategy around NIL and roster building. And that does not help when you're already 10 steps behind when it comes to facilities, training staff, nutrition staff. Um, That's another thing that came out in the two weeks since we've talked that we'll have to get into. Um, But, but yeah, it's, it's just really obvious that we are as a program, as a university, not not playing the same game. Um, it just reminds me of the uh, the Moneyball scene where Brad Pitt is in the room with all the scouts and he's explaining that they're the rich teams, they're the good teams. There's thirty pile, there's thirty feet of crap, and then there's us. And it really is starting to feel like that is an apt description of Syracuse. And there's it's not like Syracuse is alone at the bottom of that pile but it's the only school in that pile that pretends like it's something else. It is the only one of those programs that says that a bowl game is the expectation for its football program. It's the only one of those that says its basketball program should be treated like a blue blood. Um, Every other program in that pile is perfectly content to take the check, play the games, move on. Syracuse has grander aspirations. Hence the criticism that we are about to levy against them and I don't feel bad about it because Syracuse has definitively said that we would like to reap the benefits of being these good things, which means that you need to be able to take the criticism when you don't have the structures in place to build those types of programs. Basically, That's my soapbox rant. <laughs> basically, it comes down to this. What does Syracuse want to be? Does yeah. it want to be West Virginia like it was right now? A school that doesn't have like the tremendous amount of facilities and pedigree that it has with its other conference rivals, but can still field a competitive team? Or does it want to be Boston College? I don't think anybody wants to be Boston College. Or any, anyone if, should aspire to be Boston College, let's put it that way. You make a very good point. But on the trajectory that Syracuse is right now, with the staffing facilities and investment issues that are at hand, it's trending towards Boston College. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it, and what I'm saying is it's trending towards that's what Syracuse will be will become if the, those trends continue in that way. But like Andy said, Syracuse has aspirations to be kind of you know in that West Virginia area. Too soon. You know. Too soon. Well, I mean, it's the easiest comparison right now. In <laughs> yeah. the, no, in it's, the it's a very apt comparison, just yeah. very rough based on the uh, the news today. Honestly, it's probably even Pitt as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the same way, like Syracuse should look at Pitt because as much as Syracuse fans don't want to hear it, they've done a good job with, I'm not sure about the economics between Syracuse and Pitt, but I'd have to assume that their budgets are somewhat similar. And I think, I think from, I, I just because of somebody who looked at 
intimately familiar with both schools. Um, right. The Pitt and Syracuse are similar when it comes to a lot of different budgets. What is, uh, and I think this is actually more indicative of Syracuse's struggles, when it comes to the actual money that comes in, Pitt does not have the same financial might that Syracuse does in its population or its alumni base. Um, if anything, Pitt is a place where they don't control their own athletic facilities for their, uh, for football, um, or for the, uh, practice facility. They have to share it with the Steelers for both. Um, obviously that comes with some pros, but it comes with some major cons in terms of the way that they can, uh, monetize on those things. Um, meanwhile, Syracuse has full control over its professional grade facilities and has a much higher, um, I don't know what the right word for it is, but like the student population is just wealthier and is paying more out of pocket than Pitt students are. Um, so yeah, I actually, I think that that's a great comparison, Christian, because the fact that Pitt is doing what it's doing and Syracuse can't compete with them financially is, is really alarming. Because right, because what Pitt has done in the past couple of years, I mean, especially the most recent turnaround with basketball, with how Capel has, without Jeff Capel, navigated the transfer portal in basketball and how Narduzzi has stabilized the football program. That's what Syracuse needs to looks to become yeah. because Capel expertly navigated the transfer portal in its first big year of being the transfer portal to bring to dig pit up from obscurity. Yeah. And they and, were fully in like mired in mediocrity when that all went down. So, like honestly, like where Pitt right now is as a institution with a ton of its programs, also, like you know, Pitt Pitt's athletic uh, non-rev programs are not doing half bad either. Like, I think volleyball is like one of the like they're a national title yeah, contender. Yeah, volleyball's now. one of the yeah volleyball's been a volleyball's been a power program for them. Uh, their, uh, their men's soccer program has been on the rise for the past two three years. Uh, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's Go ahead, Andy. No, I'm just like, I, I'm i waiting before we talk about the elephant who's not in the room anymore. Um, but it's just like really frustrating because, and I, Steve, I think that, not to join you in the old man club here, but like obviously this was not something that we had to navigate or talk about as openly, you know, when I started covering Syracuse sports almost 10 years ago now. Um, and that's not to say this stuff wasn't happening, because as we have been told by many of the players, uh, it was happening. It was just happening under the table. Yeah. And it, it's the situation where it almost feels like Syracuse wants to go back to that day because they could navigate the old school rules when in order to break the law, you had to be good about being sneaky about it. And now that everybody has the ability to do these things, it's this it's system systemically. And again, I, I look to you, Steve, because you are somebody who's built a relationship with coach Mac and the soccer program, who I think has done this expertly. Syracuse doesn't provide a lot of sp- support to its teams or to its individual coaching staffs when they want to do something differently than the expected playbook does. 
Yeah, and that, I'm, I've always been amazed at how Mac has found a way to navigate the transfer portal and also navigate it well getting uh, all of or most of his guys eligible for waivers to play immediately um, back in the and, – and it was always more of a thing in non-revenue sports where they would allow uh, transfers to play immediately. But the the ability for he and that staff to do that as well as, you know, mining – in their case, uh, the international market, but mining, I guess, markets less traveled um, really kind of brought the program back into fruition. And that's something that the the big two programs are going to have to do. I don't know if you sit down with uh, Ian and Yuka and the, the, the squad and say, hey, what are you guys doing? What can we do? But to take some cues from them, I mean, they they need to not just find the three star diamonds in the rough, but find like the three star diamond mine to, you know, bring in some of these guys or, you know, we'll see with uh, Braylon Ingram. Like, can we become one of those teams that takes the cast offs of the big guys and turns them into something? Um, we've been successful at developing three star talent can we take, you know, a five-star uh, Alabama recruit that didn't quite make it there and take a year with him and turn him into something or take, you know, the two transfer DBs and turn them into what's been coming out of DBU? Um, just just the ability to take a different path than the rote, what we've seen day in, day out. And it's going to be the same on the basketball side. Red's going to have to reinvent what he's got going. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's going to be, you know, a wild and woolly world. And to cut Red a little bit of slack, like he's being thrown into the deep end here. Oh, yeah. Like, like this is not an ideal situation to be taking over at any time um, as a brand new head coach taking over for a legendary coach that just, you know, is now, you know, not no longer with the program. And quote unquote, because yeah, I'm still going to be there. But so the whole Jesse situation, I don't think is all on red because from everything that Jesse has said and what's come out um, just in like reporting and stuff, it just, it sounds like not only did Jesse Edwards generally want to stay, but he also deeply respected the coaching staff as well. So I don't think that's on them. This is a much higher issue that, uh, didn't allow Syracuse to keep one of its biggest talents that wanted to stay. So it's it is a front office issue that Syracuse, once again, what we've kind of gotten to the crux of, is that the front office is not willing to make the necessary investments from just from what's being told in the reporting. Yeah, I th- I think it's really obvious that the multiple collective situation is not working. Um, For those that are not aware, there is a collective focused on basketball that is run by Jim Beheim's, I don't know, personal accountant, foundation accountant. I forget what his exact title is, but he's attached to the Beheims and manages the Beheims money in some way. Um, But he runs the basketball uh, collective 
then there's a separate collective that is serving football and then there's a third collective for all the other sports and i was kevin has been really bad or like hammering this point home on twitter and in our slack channels like pit florida uh are the two most like pit because it's in our radar florida because they very much screwed up nil uh in this last recruiting cycle have all kind of moved away from the idea of these individual collectives and are consolidating collectives uh because what it does is that when you push all these these collectives together i think christian you you were right like it's like a front office you suddenly are able to pool the money together you're able to better evaluate hey where, you know, Coach A has said to this player that they're going to be getting X amount of money in, in NIL. Like, can we, do we have that on hand? Do we have those opportunities available? Great. This means that we still have this much of opportunity that we can give out in NIL money. Um, it just allows for things to be a lot more organized. And when you're dealing with these, fa- again, Jesse Edwards' entire transfer saga lasted six days. When you're dealing with things that are moving this quickly, uh, you need to have your ducks in a row and you need to be, you know, knowledgeable about what your actual situation is. Um, And again, for somebody that I think is for something that's like really obvious here, um, Edwards is not a U.S. citizen. He is here on a student visa. Uh, He technically cannot get NIL in the U.S., but as we covered this week, uh, James found the athletic article that kind of dug into this. Uh, there is opportunities to be paid NIL abroad. Kentucky uh, went to the Bahamas, so Oscar Tibache could get all of his NIL commitments for the year done in the period of about three days. Um, and so Syracuse, which is literally hours away from the Canadian border, has the same opportunity to do so in Canada if they don't go somewhere else. So... It's again, I think Jesse alluded to it. It's about the structural foundations and the willingness to go that extra mile for a player that they really want that for a player that they want. I'm not a doctor, but we've all been following Syracuse athletics for a long time. Has going that extra mile ever been really in the purview of uh, anything administrative or non you know coaching i mean that's that's the real issue here and like like, i I don't want to put a whole department on notice but it's like if if we can fix simple things by doing simple things why wouldn't we fix them i mean the big thing you have to look at as well is not just the jesse situation but the comments that uh the former football players have had to say about yeah. what Syracuse's involvement is in terms of growing their programs and keeping people interested in their programs. Yeah. Are. Specifically, Zaire Franklin and Andre Sisco have come out about that, saying, like, you know, Syracuse has got to get its act together. Yeah, and those yeah, are it's... two big names, like two representative uh, in-the-league guys that are actively calling out what's going on here. And there's a reason that our two, arguably our two best players and our two best defensive backs, uh, just like were able to immediately find nil deals 
at Ohio State and oh god, where did go? Ohio LSU. State. I'll see you. Oh, LSU. Yep. Sorry. Might not be he, the only player. I was going to say he and Joe Girard can hang out at LSU or. For anyone on the podcast, if you could see Christian's face just shaking his head, <laughs> it's it's golden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. Here we welcome are. Back, welcome back to another week of Syracuse Athletics. If you haven't experienced hair loss already, consider yourself lucky <laughs> and fortunate. And I would like to meet you and, and shake your hand and ask, what went right in your life? Yeah, mine's growing in thicker, so. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. It's the only thing that goes against the Steve is old fallacy here. I know. Well, I'm joining you in the gray club, but that's neither here nor there. Uh the the I think that the, this continually hits around. I think this is a good segue to kind of talk about where Syracuse was getting NIL support, allegedly, was from one Adam Weitzman, uh, scrap metal king of upstate New York. And <laughs> listen, I, I don't write the titles. He writes he writes them himself on his Instagram. Uh, he <laughs> is uh made a public statement actually i don't know if he actually ever said it himself or if he was just quoted in different articles the whole week was a bit of a mess basically it came out he's not supporting the team anymore because he blames the su administration for not supporting the way that he does nil which is public and uh bringing attention to the university in a very public manner um Again, we've just had a 25-minute discussion about why the systemic structure or why the structures at Syracuse are not necessarily uh, set up to or incentivized to, uh, you know, help somebody who's trying to do these things this way. Understand that. However, also in the article, he goes out and says uh, he still loves Syracuse. He wants to support them with NIL, but if he can't do it his way, he's not going to do it at all, which led to a lot of blowback. And then the waterfall of different statements that continued to come out about a lot of different things. And I'm not going to dig into all of it because the end result is that it appears that Adam Weitzman's money is no longer being spent on Syracuse University athletes. Um, well, technically, his money wasn't being spent on any specific university's athletes at any point by the letter of the rules that make no sense whatsoever. Yes. There are yes. rules? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Go ask Diaz. <laughs> or Ruiz. It's Ruiz, yeah. I thought Diaz was the lawyer. <laughs> Could be. Because doesn't... Yeah, the, any, this this whole saga is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Guys, this broke my brain this week. I, I think we all agree that Weitzman wasn't necessarily the best to have around the program, but his money was good. Um, I'm just curious if we, at, like, honestly, straight up question to both of you. Do you think we will actually see any difference or any impact on Weitzman not being around, sitting courtside, bringing celebrities or faux celebrities to the games? There will be one difference. Games will be less interesting to follow on Twitter. And that's, that's it. 
That's making an assumption that Twitter's around by the time basketball season's here. You make great points. What is Twitter being changed to now? Like, what's the... Doge, um, you Doge can, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, in Doge Twitter, you can now write long-form essays uh, and <laughs> publish full articles. So, here we go. And yes, uh, Ruiz was the lawyer, the NIL lawyer. So, I'm, I'm getting all my NIL things confused. Hoy. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. I just don't I don't think we're gonna miss him at all. Like no. I know Yeah. Th- yeah, that's that was basically my long my long answer saying nothing's gonna change like really that much. Like only you're gonna see less people talking about it on social media. That's it. Right. And that's that might be for the better. Yeah. I don't know. There's no, I, there's no recruits coming in questionably on private jets with rappers that I don't know if that flew by the seat of legality, but if it did, it did. And if it didn't, it didn't. But one way or another, it happened. I don't think we're seeing that again. <laughs> and as Kevin alluded to, no punishments will come until he is theoretically enrolled or signed a letter of intent in 2024. So, now, you know, the technically, Piper, no matter where he signs that letter of intent, that would still be blowback. OK, let's let him because we're still on NIL. Kevin just posted in just something interesting in our Slack that we should talk about. OK, oh boy. Read it out. Research time. So uh, there are a um, of course, the we've talked about the NIL collectives and then, you know, pal, there's a lot of uh, options about what's out there right now. Syracuse, as we've said, I've gone down to multiple route. Kevin linked to the uh, ones that Syracuse have and also the ones that West Virginia have. And he noted that the Syracuse ones have options like that start at like, that the, the option to donate starts at like 20K per year. Meanwhile, the West Virginia one has an option where people can get in and start you know, donating to the NIL collective at $20 a month or under. So, yes, the money is weird different, but people are probably going to be a lot more interested in investing into your program and investing into your athletes. There you go within a reasonable price point of under $20 a month rather than, okay, here's 20K. Right. We There's only that. so many people that have 20K sitting around to throw at the athletic program versus, you know, if you, you know, you get a bunch of grassroots people at 10 to 20 bucks a month. It's funny how quickly that adds up. Also, again, for uh, audio listeners of this podcast, you're missing Andy having a near aneurysm right now in his camera uh, because he is trying to process the information that is happening in his brain right now, and the information processing is crashing. Oh, uh, no. Pregler, no, Pregler, before you answer, you know the ultimate kick in the junk on this? Guess who is the co-founder of the West Virginia uh, NIL Collective? Oh, no. It's not like Pat White or something, is it? Even worse. Oliver Luck. <laughs> we just broke Pregler. <laughs> I have so many things that I can't say on camera right now. 
Oh, I have so many things that I could probably get sued for saying uh, in regards to this whole thing. Um, so I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to pull a Ted Lasso <laughs> and I'm going to think good thoughts for five seconds and tell you about the wonderful folks at Home Field Apparel and about how they make the ghost comfy T-shirts, hoodies, joggers, uh, anything with retro college apparel, Home Field has. It's comfortable. It's lovely. I wish I was wrapped up in one of their hoodies right now than thinking about Oliver freaking luck. Uh, you should go I'm and check out the their joggers, website. So. <laughs> I was very comfortable while pointing that stupidity out to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yes. Go to Home Field Apparel. They're our friends. They could theoretically form their own NIL collective at this point and run all of college sports. And maybe that's just what we need at this point. Home field for NCAA president. Let's no, go. Because Who's then, play? then Indiana ends up being relevant again in everything. And nobody wants that. Sorry, Connor. Nobody wants that. No. Although I do want another Indiana Syracuse soccer final. That was probably one of the most entertaining things that I've watched in a very long time. Uh, very true. That, that soccer, that final was so insane that because of the loud amount of clapping and cheering I did when goals were scored, it triggered my house security alarm. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, for the record, uh, this was added to my... Uh, yeah. Let's go. For anyone on You're the welcome, audio. Steve. Yeah, Andy pointed out uh, when they launched it that they had a old school felt banner uh, for the national title for soccer. I of course had to get one to throw in the uh, in the man cave here. That's just uh, Steve's coping mechanism for Chelsea's "quote unquote" season that it's having right now. Oh, there, we don't wait, even need to talk the, about the Premier League's right happening now. right now. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't. I haven't registered what's going on. No, there's 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 no soccer. No soccer took place today. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you, uh, you guys got uh, you guys got almost handled by the fighting Casillos, didn't you? Yep, they uh, did. We, we got Nate. We got Nated real hard. Uh, <laughs> did not like that. Did not like that at all. <laughs> and Andy's just supporting West Ham's uh, relegation fight. We, I, I told Casilla, we just wanted to, we just wanted drama. We needed to give the script writers something to work with for the rest of the season. It was getting too, it was getting too predictable. So had to, had to throw some chaos in there. What was my excuse <sighs> for losing to Brighton this weekend? <sighs> Yeah, well, Brighton's <laughs> actually good, unlike Chelsea. Fair. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah. After, so, after we canned their former boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Funny how that works. Oh, uh, so what I can say now that I've had some time to think about these things, uh, when I worked at Syracuse University, I was in the uh, department that handled uh, alumni relations, and we worked. We worked part and parcel with the uh, development team, which is the fundraising team. And all I can say is that for as long as I have been at Syracuse, worked for Syracuse and been working around Syracuse, there have been so many discussions around why Syracuse makes it so cost prohibitive to become a member of any kind of donor group or any kind of collective. It is not a new issue. It is not something that people are just raising now. This is something that people have told Syracuse they needed to fix 10 years ago, something that they told them they needed to fix five years ago. And again, to Steve's point, um, 
it seems like Syracuse is just perfectly content not fixing this. And so all I can say is that if you are somebody out there who has a buttload of money and wants to give it to Syracuse, tell them to change the way that they do their fundraising. Uh, so that way they can get your buttload of money because hey, all guess they what? care about are the people <laughs> with buttloads of money. Hey, guess what? Someone did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he got and someone, then he basically <laughs> someone did that. And Syracuse said, nah. And he said, fine, then. And called their bluff. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, that's a great point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I think. Oh, so, if cha- so you don't see change now. But don't expect it. And then watch uh, Syracuse become Boston College. Yeah, I think Steve kind of just hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago on the like. There's nothing, to ch- there's nothing happening right now that supports that this group will do anything. And so unless this group suddenly all magically gets uh, Pittsburgh Penguin, where somebody comes in and just decides to remove the entire front office, um, nothing's really going to change. And that's really frustrating. Uh, See, this is why Steve and I, and probably you, Andy, as well, are waiting desperately for the age sports college football program, uh, college football game that's coming out. Because then we could actually run the athletic program like we would like it to. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not hard. I mean, it's it's hard. It's not oh, it's, an easy job. It's very hard, but, but there's like little things that could be so simple to fix. Uh, like it, looking at the success of other programs and say, do that? Yes. Even programs within your own athletic department. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about something more positive? And that would be the Syracuse football program's decimated offensive line. That's more positive? Sadly, yes. I think it actually might be. <laughs> I know I'm 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 being serious here. I think talking about the mess that is the Syracuse offensive line in spring in spring practice might actually be more positive than this conversation that we're currently having. Remember when I talked about a couple of weeks ago? Or when we first had this discussion about Syracuse, uh, Syracuse's offensive line, that this was very similar to 2019. We are very, we are rapidly approaching where this upcoming season could be 2019. Uh, all the what ifs. Great. I don't like Great. that. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Diving into it. So. All right, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Steve, what's wrong with the offensive line and how can you fix it? How much college eligibility do you have? For for the third time this podcast, if you're not watching the video, as soon as, soon as I said that, both Christian and Andy just stepped back from the mic and were like, all right, we're in for a ride. Um, all right. and Andy and I are by the fireplace, lighting up a pipe, enjoying some coffee and like, okay, here we go. Time to wax poetic. Um, yeah. So Emily Liker over at Syracuse.com released uh, projected depth charts for the offense. Currently left to right, we are looking at on the offensive line, Enrique Cruz, Kalen Ellis, Josh Aloha, Chris Bleich, Joe Moore, uh, the Richmond transfer. Uh, backing them up, Joe Cruz at left tackle, uh, Austin Kawhi at left guard, Wes Ho at center, Jacob Bradford at 
uh, right guard and Mark Petrie at right tackle. Uh, Bradford has also gotten reps with the ones. Well, Blaish has been out. Uh, I believe Joe Cruz also got some reps with the ones with Enrique Cruz over at right tackle. Uh, I don't know whether that was because Joe Moore was injured or just not looking good. Um, one way or another, uh, currently the right side of the offensive line does not look great. Chris Blaish, I don't know if has he's technically returned from injury. It seems like he's still injured on and off. Um, I am almost of the ilk at this point of just get him the hell out of pads and just let him heal up. Uh, it doesn't seem like since he transferred from Florida, he's been fully healthy. So uh, maybe just don't run him for a while and see what happens. Um, that said, if, if this group is the only crux that is keeping this offense from ticking, um, we, we may be okay. I know it's weird to hear me say optimistic things about the offensive line. Um, but we are seeing an offense without Garrett Schrader. So without, without our QB one, we are seeing um, a, a lot of inexperience on that right side against a much improved defensive line who uh, the projected depth chart there uh, also from Emily Liker is looking at uh, Jadius gear, Kevin Darton and Caleb Okachukwu uh, as at least Okachukwu and Darton were probably expected. Um, I think unless something happens, Lockett will be, um, the the two and you know coming off the injury um braylon ingram apparently has been working at d end and then the uh back other backup d end has been either chase simmons or elijah funtes cundiff who was working at dt last year though with lockett back i don't think we'll need him there um it's that unit is definitely returning experience and strength uh especially with thompson back as the um the rushing linebacker so we'll see we'll see whether whether the lines problems are an issue with the defense being improved and the uh right side of the offense still being a little rusty or whether it's something where they're just going to collapse and we're screwed and yes i, I know to, i was surprised to not hear uh Hawkes or uh or nolan uh, on the two deep yeah, my uh, my thoughts were that Ingram was going to play DT yeah. and that we'd still see, you know, one of those two in the depth chart at D end. That said, they've been, you know, rotating over the, the past couple of years, and I don't know what Rocky Long's going to do, but they've been rotating those D, D ends pretty readily, like a lot of guys have been getting reps. Yeah. So with Okachuku coming back, that probably kind of sealed, sealed the fate of some of those, you know, uh, well, I guess true sophomores now. Yeah. I guess my biggest concern, Steve, is that it seems like under the Babers era, there's obviously been a ton of injuries along the line. And as we discover more and more about the turf uh, situation. Oh, boy, we need to get into that. At some yeah. Point. Yep. That, that lacrosse lacrosse uncovering turf issues at Syracuse is not something that I expected. But here we are. Um, but in in a way, we probably should have expected. That that actually does make sense. Um, but we we know that there's going to be players that come in and out of this of this line. Um, 
it feels like there's a lot of guys in this in this rotation that you kind of mentioned that have been coming in and out of the line over the last couple of years. So someone like Cruz is a name that fans should be relatively familiar with just because of, of how yeah, late last year, a lot of, yeah, he was, he was getting some, a little more face time. Yeah. What, what, I don't know if the question I'm asking is, should we be optimistic because these guys have all had reps in less than ideal situations? But I guess my, my more question is around the area of is the, is the issue is it, are the issues with these guys that, it's a technique thing like that. This is just too early to be asking them to be playing this much at this level with this much responsibility. Or is it just a like this is what happens when you get a bunch of three stars like the offensive line is never going to be something that you feel great about unless a, a, the group as a whole has multiple guys that take steps forward. Right. Something like 2018 where a lot of yeah. those a lot of the three stars we had weren't three stars. Um, right. Uh Por que no los dos? Um, it's the the standard, and you know, uh, we've over the years we've taken it quite a bit from Total Soccer Show. Things can be two things, um, two sides of the same coin. Exactly. We've got you. You've got guys like Josh Aloha who was in his going on third year of getting decent minutes at center. Uh, Kalen Ellis will be going into his third year of getting solid minutes. Uh, Bleich is older than anybody else on the team probably at this point uh joe moore is a grad transfer from richmond and you know cruz is actually the least experienced member of the line um having just gotten some reps the end of last year but you know getting good minutes uh they're they're a young but experienced group as weird as that sounds um but also mildly worrying if we can't keep them healthy the depth drops off the, the experience in the depth drops off significantly. Uh, when, if you heard my too deep that I read off from Emily, um, none of those guys have seen meaningful minutes outside of at fullback or tight end in the case of West Ho. So yeah, um, we're back to that situation of we have a starting five, whether or not that starting five is good is its own question, but what's behind them is definitely a question. And one I, I don't, don't have think an answer I like to. That. No, it's very. Uh, I, I I think we mentioned Christian. It's very 2019. <laughs> yeah. Go away from a decent offensive line to whatever the hell we have now, and we've got to make the most of it. Now that said, these guys could make some strides between now and you know fall camp, but. Who knows? And the big thing also is like when you um, consider what 2019 was also is that Syracuse had decent talent at skill positions. Yep. And that's the same here again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the full, because I didn't go through the full too deep. You've got Schrader being backed up by Lampson and Dorio Wilson, of course. Uh, running back LaQuinn Allen, Juwan Price is the two or the second stringer. Mang and David Clement, uh, incoming true freshman. Well, came in true freshman in January. David Clement at the tight end spot. Yeah, and it, and it looks like it'll be if Syracuse ever decides to watch the throws with tight end, that'll be Clement. Wait, we're allowed to do that? Yeah, <laughs> we can really. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Andy and I are both very confused by that statement. <laughs> I didn't know. Didn't know that was within the rules of football that we could. It is a, a position. Tight end. Believe it or not, it is position. It's not just a sixth offensive lineman. I I don't know what you're talking I, about. It is. Thing. It has been treated as a sixth offensive line. Uh, okay. Okay. Noted. Um. <laughs> I thought all big white guys just had to sit on the line and block. Yeah, pretty much. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, wide receiver Damian Alford backed up. Or well, let's go the three deep at wide out. Uh, Damian Alford, Isaiah Jones, and Aranda Gadsden, the starters. Uh, Aranda Gadsden getting a nod at wide out and not tight end, which is mm. its own animal. Uh, and then Amari Hatcher, Trevor Pena, Kendall Long, and or Demarcus Adams. Um, Long kind of being the new addition to that two deep. Uh, Demarcus Adams being probably primarily well actually makes sense that they're being shown behind Alfred as that kind of deep ball threat um so yeah it's there's definitely talent in the two deep in the skilled positions so i don't know well it's, it's gonna come down to the quarterback situation like it, it really feels like if we get the schrader that we got at the beginning of last season this offensive line doesn't need to be great. It just needs to hold for two and a half, three seconds. Um, if we get the Schrader that we saw at the back end of the season, we could be in a lot of trouble. Um, and again, I this is the first year under new offensive coordinator, Jason Beck. Uh, I think that we're not talking about that enough, but there's also not a whole lot to say because Beck hasn't, you know, Dino doesn't let the coordinators talk, so we can't really do a whole lot until we see things in action. Dino doesn't um, let anyone talk. <laughs> well, that is also true. Oh, Dino. We oh, can't Dino. even get uh, on, on the site what was, uh, I think Mike was complaining we couldn't even get the two possibly starting defensive backs because their transfers in. Yeah. Yeah. They're not allowed to speak to the media yet. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense to me. Like you'd think you'd want to prop them up and say, Hey, here's our new guys and they're good. No, Steve. Yeah. But uh, but you're, you're you're (laughs) assuming that there was logic being made in these decisions. Mm, Fair. To your point earlier, what about Syracuse makes you think that would do that? Yeah. Um, so both of them, both of the new transfers in Jaden Gold and Jaden Bellamy, the Jadens, Team Jaden, I don't know. We'll come up with something. We're workshopping it. Um, they're both uh, currently listed as backups to Jeremiah Wilson and Jason Simmons. <laughs> so, yeah. Actually, that defense mm. looks... Wait. Solid. Wait, hold on. Back up to Jason Simmons? Gould has apparently been showing at boundary safety. Uh, okay. Yep. So, uh, well, what the hell? Wait, so we'll go down so through. Who, we'll go down so, through the two deep on the defense too, just so you're well, less. Confused. So who's that? Who's that? Who else is that quarterback? Um, yeah. So I gave you the defense or the the D line, uh, linebackers as as expected. Thompson Wax. And Lowry or McDonald. And then uh, corners, Isaiah Johnson, Jeremiah Wilson. Boundary safety, Jason Simmons. Rover, Justin Barron. Elijah Clark at free safety. 
too deep. Uh, already went through the D line, but Sparrow, Rune, and Bailey at linebackers. I'd assume Sparrow, well, actually all of them have seen minutes. So Bailey just really impressed me during that bowl game. Um, and then corners, Cornell Perry and Jaden Bellamy or Greg Delane. Uh, and then Gould at boundary safety, Greenwood at Rover, and Braylon Oliver at free safety. There's no Justin Barron? He's starting a Rover. Okay. He's also a captain. Yeah. That'd be really weird if they named him a captain and he was nowhere on the two deep. I've seen weirder things. True. So, yeah. Um, Syracuse football is Syracuse football. We're going to find out a lot more before our next episode. Yeah. Or hopefully Bring find game. out a lot more. Um, I know at least myself, Mike, Dom, and Kevin will be up for the spring game. Um, you guys, I do not believe, are making a trip from the greater New York metro area to... No. Uh, I wonder- mean, unless, Ke- unless Kevin would like to pay for us to do that. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if the I don't know if Amtrak takes noons bucks. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't think they take noons bucks or uh, disloyal coin. Yeah. Ooh, we're expanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, got to get our got to get our initial coin offering in. Come on. Oh God. God. Here we are. I'm such a. Here we are. <laughs> uh, at the end of a show where we didn't talk about lacrosse, we'll talk about lacrosse more next week. Oh, no. Uh, before a- before anything, uh, I do want to give Courtney Brosnan a shout. Uh, former Syracuse uh, women's keeper. Uh, the starting keeper for the Republic of Ireland and made a hell of a showing against the U.S. women. So, hey. well, uh, we, you know, got to got to give credit where credit's due. So uh, the Everton Everton player. uh actually you know put on put on a show so everton keepers continue to shine international competition uh good good for her uh that is i was gonna say what that ended one nothing for the women right or for the u.s right like it was yeah and the only the the goal she let in probably shouldn't have been let in but she also stood on her head for a couple others yeah so i mean if you if you limit the women's national the u.s women's national team to one goal yeah that's you're doing so pretty good yeah yeah well uh i'm glad we got to end it on a soccer note as we always should uh we'll talk about lacrosse next week we'll talk about the turf stuff next week we'll talk about the spring game next week uh we are going to have lots of fun things to talk about next week um but until then thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate the support here on disloyal idiots a fans first nation podcast uh, remember to like and subscribe. Help us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Hold, hold uh, on. You know what I realized? What? We went the whole pod without explicitly stating that Jesse Edwards just transferred to West Virginia. I think I did that in the beginning, so I think we're covered. Okay. <laughs> I kind of wish we didn't do it. It's like <laughs> that thing. It's like the thing where we talk about the thing, but we never actually say the thing. <laughs> Right. The entire conversation is based around this thing that we never mention. Yeah. It's actually just a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, Chris, Christopher uh, Nolan does NIL. Oh, there is a podcast idea for the off season. Uh, we need jokes and garbage. Here we go. <laughs> uh, but yes, fans first nation podcast. Just 
like just please follow us we're having a good time here we want to keep having a good time here so make sure you like and subscribe um if you are watching on twitch thank you so much you got to see my brain break in real time you got to watch me and christian do all the funny faces highly recommend that you do that we are on twitch every sunday night at around 8 p.m so definitely make sure you check us out over there uh for steve for christian for myself for the fans first nation group uh thank you for listening and as always go orange go orange go orange